All right, we're going to invite children's pastor Ashley Begley out on stage. There she is. You've seen her smiling face. She hasn't even done anything yet. They're already excited with you. This is fantastic. Does it, get any, does it get any better than that? Ashley is going to be preaching for us this morning. And uh, Ashley uh, has her undergraduate degree from the Colorado School of Mines, which she'll talk about. She came here to Georgetown to get a master's in public policy, then went to work for Deloitte. And some of you are wondering, how in the world did you take that route to being a children's pastor here in Graceland at Grace Community Church? And you should listen very closely because one of the, one of the biggest questions for all my years in ministry I've been asked is, how do I know God's will? Ashley's going to tell us how to figure out God's will this morning. Everybody, warm welcome for Ashley Begley. All right, let's start with Facebook. So, Facebook is a modern accomplishment of our time. Never before have we been, have we been able to keep track of our friends, classmates, former classmates, roommates, former roommates, work colleagues, random strangers as well as we can today. So I counted this week, and I have 583 Facebook friends. So some of you probably have many more than that, maybe some a few less or about there. And I counted, and I actually went down the entire list, and I realized that only about probably 10 of those people are people that I would call like real, true, close friends that I hang out with in person. I have a lot of acquaintances. I have a lot of former classmates, work colleagues, etc. But why is that? Why do I have so many friends on Facebook that, that don't translate to real life? After all, Facebook's mission is very compelling. I really like their mission statement. It says, Facebook's mission is to give people the power to share and to make the world more open and connected. People use Facebook to stay connected with friends and family, to discover what's going on in the world, and to share and express what matters to them. It's a pretty cool sounding mission statement. So I don't know about you, but I actually use Facebook mostly as kind of a news feed. So I'll open on my phone, I'll open up all my news apps and I'll kind of see what's going on and then I'll open up Facebook and kind of treat it the same way. Ooh, like someone's cool trip or baby announcement or engagement or cool thing going on. But most of the posts could be a factor of my settings too. I realize that most, most of my posts are from people that I don't know very well. They're from kind of acquaintances, former classmates, etc. And my real life friends actually tend to not post a ton on Facebook, and I see them in person, so that's how I get my updates from them. And yet Facebook has this great mission. They want to be this ultimate technologically fueled community. But it really doesn't reflect in my real life. And I would suspect it might not reflect in your real life either. So, what makes a real friend? I'm here to tell you my story, and, and before we get into kind of where I'm from and, and that interesting story that John kind of alluded to, I want to define supportive community. So supportive community has been something that's been very important in my life, and it consists of three things. It's where you do something together, you have fun together, and you help and support each other. So again, you're doing something together, you're having fun together, and you're helping and supporting each other. And you're doing these things, these three things I found are particularly effective at providing supportive community when it's about Jesus in the center of it too. So 
So for those of you who like to read the news, the New York Times ran a really interesting article a couple of years ago about friends. So friends are something that I see as an output of supportive community. Not a guarantee, but an output of community. And friends, according to sociologists, there's three things you need to make friends. Proximity, repeated unplanned interactions, and a setting that encourages people to let their guard down and confide in each other. So it's kind of similar to my own definition of supportive community, a little bit different, but this idea that you're doing something together, you have to be close to do that, that makes sense. You're having fun, that's where a lot of repeated unplanned interactions come from. And that you're able to help and support each other, providing this setting where you can let your guard down and confide. All right, so that's supportive community, friends. Let's start with my story. So I'm from Colorado originally. It is the land of mountains, beautiful, majestic national parks. We have a national grassland and desert. We really have a bunch of different things in Colorado. It's very pretty. I'm from the north of the state. I'm from a little town that often gets confused with a ski area, although I can assure you we do not have skiing there, although people have tried. It's too flat. My younger brother and my parents still live in Colorado. And I grew up in church, so I remember I was part of a Saturday night service for a while. Uh, my parents were on the worship team. And so I remember we went to the Saturday night service. You didn't have to wake up early on Sunday. It was kind of nice. And, and it was great. And it went on for a while, and I got to know those people. But then it got canceled um, by our church like, due to lack of attendance. So um, that was OK. But after that, um, my family did a little bit of church bouncing for a while. So the first church that we were at, the Saturday night service, unfortunately, they canceled that. Unfortunately, our pastor had an affair. And so my parents said, not a great example, let's try something else. So we went to a second church and tried that out for a bit, and the exact same thing happened. That pastor had an affair. I know, I don't really know what was going on in this town, who knows? Anyway, (laughs) we went to a third church. This time the pastor did not have an affair that I knew of anyway, and (laughs) I'm just teasing, I'm just teasing. But we we ended up leaving that church, actually, because of some kind of weird church policies that were kind of in effect. And so we ended up going back to the first church, which had kind of reconstructed itself. Um, And you might say, well, Ashley, you're a children's pastor, so you were probably in, like, youth programming and stuff, right? Yeah, no. (laughs) Did not do youth group. Sorry, Pastor Matt, our youth pastor here. I really, I really was very marginally involved. I really liked my homework a lot. That was a very big priority to me, to get my homework done. And honestly, the kids at youth group... Yeah, not so good at their homework. They didn't really get very good grades, so I didn't really want to hang out with them anyway. You know? So, anyway. One constant, though, of my church experience growing up was this thing called Vacation Bible School. So Vacation Bible School, or VBS, as it's often known as, is usually a week-long experience in the summer where you have kids that come and they learn about Jesus in a really, really fun way. It's like, it's like super Sunday school super fun, right? Crafts and games and things. And, and it was so much fun, and I loved it, and I participated for a long time. And then I got to start kind of leading some groups and stations. And then I got to start emceeing, being on stage and doing some worship motions and fun things, and being in charge of quite a lot. But what I really loved about Vacation Bible School was that supportive community happened there. We were doing something together. We were, we were there to teach the kids about Jesus and have a really fun time, right? We were having fun together. There are all these teenagers and adults who would come and do VBS, and then we would like, go to lunch afterwards, or there'd be a celebration at the end, or at the beginning we'd have some training and, 
and kind of have time outside of just that setting. And then we, we grew to help and support each other because it was pretty much the same group every year, so we got to know each other really well, and that was really fun. So eventually, I went to college. I went to the Colorado School of Mines, as John said earlier, mines as in pickaxe and mining, not mines and not mimes, as we often get confused with. <laughs> Seriously, it happens. Got a graduation card saying, congratulations on your acceptance to the Colorado School of Mines. So anyway, Colorado School of Mines to study chemical and biochemical engineering. I also got a minor in public affairs through our honors program, which was very fun. And when I first got on campus, I decided to join this group called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, which is kind of a funny name. Some of you may know of it, but it actually has nothing to do with sports. Uh, varsity has to do with the name of campuses in England, and you can look that up later. Anyway, InterVarsity, right? So I joined this group, and the reason I was mostly interested in joining it was because my parents had been in it in college, actually. And I thought, well, that seems okay. And the people didn't seem that weird. So I thought I'd give it a try. So kind of tried out university for a while. I, I joined a Bible study. I went to a conference in the fall, went to a conference in the spring, started leading a Bible study. And, and this verse came up for me, and, and we'll come back to it later as well, but this is kind of where it came from originally. So the verse is Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. And it says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We'll come back to that in a little bit. So I enjoyed university. It was very fun. I, I made some friends and, and built community with exactly one half of our group, our fellowship, as it were. And just to illustrate to you why, why it's important to know that our, our fellowship was really in two pieces. There was my half and the other half. This is very important. I have, I have two quick stories to illustrate why the difference. So my, my freshman year is in my dorm room, and it was... It was later at night, and I just finished my homework and had, had gotten ready for bed and got in bed and was in bed for maybe two minutes at this point, really. It hadn't been very long. Where I hear, this is during quiet hours, of course, I hear some screaming and something rolling up and down the hallway outside. And me, having tried to go to sleep for all of two minutes, decided that this was enough because I've had some of these shenanigans before. And so I got up out of bed and I put my robe on over my pajamas, and I messed up my hair, and I messed up my robe just to kind of look like I was really disheveled, had been trying to sleep. And I went to the door, and I opened the door, and I said in my sternest voice possible, please be quiet, I am trying to sleep, and then closed the door as, as I realized that they were taking a wagon up and down the hall and screaming, so that's, that's what that was. But I'll tell you what, the noise subsided. <laughs> so that was helpful. All right, and, and, and some of the people in that wagon and in the screaming were definitely on the other half of the fellowship, so it wasn't really helping their case that they were doing this sort of thing. Another story, we were in New Mexico on a trip uh, doing some construction for Habitat for Humanity over our spring break, and someone from the other half of the fellowship, her name is Katie, she was in charge of planning all the food. This is a very important job, especially if you're feeding college students, right? So... 
she was in charge of planning all the food, and she had laid out breakfast and everything, and then there was a sandwich-making line. And on the sandwich-making line, so we were making sandwiches because it was for our lunch for that day. That was how we were doing it. There was no lettuce. And I got very frustrated. It was 6.30 a.m., and the two of us, Katie and I, we had a yelling match about lettuce and the placement of lettuce and where it was. And it was not, it was not very good. And it might sound silly now, but I promise you that lettuce was extremely important that morning. It really was. So you can see that we had kind of two halves of the fellowship that, that got into a lot of you know, arguments about things and were kind of different from each other. And so our, our university, our chapter, our fellowship on campus was split in two at the end of my sophomore year. This was when a decision point came up. So our staff worker, who had been kind of over our whole campus, had, had been doing a good job of kind of balancing those two halves of, the camp, uh, of, our, of our fellowship. She let us know that she was going to be going on maternity leave. It's true. And so she told us, you know, you guys are going to have to actually step up and do some stuff because I'm going to be gone. And so we were asked up to step and lead our fellowship, and specifically we were going to have to plan something called new student outreach, which is in the fall where, where you have to recruit new students to be a part of your group, which is important so that, you know, you're not just doing things with yourselves and reaching people for Jesus or something. Anyway. You get the idea. So we were told we had to plan all of that. And Katie and I were specifically told, let us argument, Katie, that it was a dream that the two of us would become friends, to which we laughed, because we really didn't like each other (laughs) at all. Let us, anyway. If you can get an argument like that with someone, it's, it's not good. So anyway. So we went back to school and in the fall we've been planning and, and we started seeing you know, the two halves of our fellowship, our group, start to work together to put on some things and, and some events and, and we started leading Bible studies and having, having events um, on campus. Um, that, was, that was pretty fun. We started to see the fellowship actually grow together a little bit. Um, started seeing some community happen. And in the midst of this happening, a miracle, a miracle happened, I tell you. Katie and I, we did become friends. It's true. It was awesome. In fact, we became really good friends, really good friends such that she was actually in my wedding later as a bridesmaid. That's how good a friend she is today. So, and she, she's awesome. So she's an awesome lady. And you, and you, might, you might ask, well, what happened to the, the chapter? What happened to university during all this time? Well, something really cool happened. God showed up on the Colorado School of Mines campus. At the end of my freshman year, we had a total of about eight people in our fellowship, so not the biggest group. By the end of senior year, we had over 80. How fun is that? And God showed up, and, and it was so much fun to see it, to see more students coming and learning about Jesus and, and everything. And, and the bigger thing that happened was supportive community. Our fellowship had grown together. We had started doing things together. We had started having fun together. We had started helping and supporting each other. You might say, well, where was your church during all this? Well, InterVarsity really was my church in college. I did try a local church, but they weren't really my age, and so InterVarsity really was that supportive community for me. And, and it doesn't mean that this supportive community was always perfect by any means. We never argued about lettuce again, but we did argue about other things. So... It, it was a group of people that could really be relied on, though, and people who could be trusted, 
when you do ministry with people together, when you're, when you're all on the same page and all, all trying to pursue something together, it's, it's something really special. Matthew 18.20 says that, For where two or three gather in my name, there I'm with them. I think that's what happened at university at Colorado School of Mines, to watch the, 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 the fellowship grow, and, and not just grow in number, but grow together, and see friendships that we thought were crazy at the time actually happen. And you might say, well, that's, that's all well and great, Ashley. It sounds like you had a great time at university, in college. I was actually part of a lot of or- other organizations as well on campus. University was, they were not the only people I saw. I was in band, as in the Chemical Engineering Society, as in the Blue Key Spirit Society, Tabula Pi Engineering Honor Society. I was president of that for a while. And um, I was the vice president of our student body for student government. I interned at some organizations during the summer as well. And so I, I saw a lot of different people across campus and in life. So it wasn't just university. But the relationships that I had in university, the supportive community that we built in university, those are the people that stuck with me. Those are the experiences that stuck with me. I, I had, a, you could say, a laundry list of other organizations on, on my resume. But, but university, that supportive community, that's what really mattered. And I had the wonderful opportunity to actually work for university for a little while after I graduated with my chemical engineering degree. Got to watch the fellowship grow along the way. I also got married to my husband, Tom, and we were incredibly honored to have several members of university in our wedding party, so including Katie, Lettuce Katie from earlier. So one thing I've always been passionate about is the intersection of science and policy, as you may have guessed from my degrees from the School of Mines. And I was very interested in public policy specifically, so I applied to go to graduate school. I applied and accepted at Georgetown here in D.C. And Tom, my husband, was able to find a job with the U.S. Navy also here in D.C. So we were two for two. So we decided to make the move across the country from Colorado here to D.C. So I started graduate school at Georgetown for this Master's of Public Policy. And when we first arrived, we did do some church searching, um, kind of trying to see if we could find people to be in community with. It wasn't that we weren't still friends with our university um, cohort from before, but we had moved away from them, and and they had moved away from us, and so we were kind of looking for something um, to to help with that. And, And Tom and I found a church. They were really welcoming, very nice, super awesome people. We were part of a community group for a while, Um, but it just didn't really stick for us. I think of those three things, the doing something, having fun, helping and supporting. I think we only had the first one, um, which was what what made it hard. We didn't really um, get the other two. And so we eventually found Grace Community Church online and thought we would try it out. And this happened, the, the first time we came to Grace was actually shortly before Tom was about to go to Pittsburgh, great city of Pittsburgh, for six months for training with the Navy. And so we tried a couple times, didn't seem too weird, so came back, and they had community group sign-ups. And I said, okay, well, I can, can give this a try. I mean, it's only me, but I'll see what I can do. And I, I signed up for a community group, and I came the first time, and I remember that I was very surprised because about half of my community group were people that I had met at this next step lunch thing that was a few weeks before. So that was kind of fun to have that connection, and I really enjoyed the group. It was really fun, um, made, you know, got to know some people, um, didn't make friends per se, um, because my schedule changed at school. 
So I had an evening class come up that was on the same night as my community group. So fortunately, we had spring signups for community groups. So I signed up for another one and, and started going. And um, Tom actually came home and started coming too. And um, you know, it took a while. It wasn't a week's thing. This was like a month's thing. But it took a while. We started getting to know people, and we started having this do something fun, do something together, have fun together, helping and supporting each other. And we started seeing um, this supportive community start happen, happening. And we have some very dear friends to this day who are from that group. So in the midst of getting to know that community group, I graduated with my Master of Public Policy from Georgetown. Um, as well as a full-time offer from a federal consulting company in Hant. And that summer, between the end of school and the start of work, I went on a trip. I went to New Mexico with an organization called Engineering for Hope, which is a nonprofit that I helped co-found, along with an organization you might have heard of, Interversity. We went together to New Mexico, do some construction, and I tell you about this trip for two very important reasons. The first one, is that of the 14 people on that trip, including myself, there were five redheads. <laughs> it was awesome! Oh my goodness! I was the only redhead in my family growing up, and so the fact that I could have this special bond with people and take sunscreen breaks together, <sighs> it was great. The more important reason I tell you about the trip is because on that trip, I prayed for friends. I prayed that I would make friends. Because Tom and I had lived in D.C. for two years now, and while we were getting to know people, we didn't really feel like we had any close local friends yet. Again, we, we had these InterVarsity folks, I still talk to them today, but they didn't live here. We had a community group, and we were still getting to know them. And so I prayed for friends. I wish at the time that someone had, had read this quote to me. It's from Aristotle, so some of you folks who are scholarly might appreciate this. He said, Wishing to be friends is quick work, but friendship is a slow ripening fruit. Wishing to be friends is quick work, but friendship is a slow ripening fruit. It's really easy to just wish that friends would come out of thin air, but it takes time to build friendships. It really does. And so that summer... That was when I really sat down and prayed, just prayed, please, please let there be friends in D.C. And so I came back and I started my full-time consulting job and, and, and got kind of in the swing of things routine and kept, kept going with the community group and, and meeting people and everything. And uh, we, started, we started kind of hanging out with people more in D.C. We started kind of doing some dinners with folks. Um, it's kind of like dating, right? Because you like have dinner with a couple, so... For those of you who are a couple, you know it has to be two for two. Like, you know what I'm saying? You want to see them again? So anyway, we, <laughs> we had some successes and some not as, as successes, but we started making friends, which was really fun. And our community group started kind of bonding, and, and we got to know them better as well. And one day, again, in the midst of this happening, I was sitting in church, and I looked at the bulletin, and I saw an advertisement for Graceland. So Graceland is our children's ministry that goes on right during this service and the previous one. And, and I saw this advertisement for a Graceland training. And 
I liked working with kids. I, I had done vacation Bible school, of course. I had done some other things with kids as well, and, and I liked them. They're, they're pretty fun. I enjoyed it. I, I really thought, well, maybe I, I could give that a go. And so I asked someone in my community group about it because I knew she served in Graceland. And she encouraged me to attend. She said, I think this would be great. You really like it. And um, so I went to the training. People didn't seem too weird. It's common thing. This is important. You don't want people to seem too weird. And so I started volunteering in Graceland Elementary. And I loved working with the kids. It was so much fun. It was great. I was like, this is like way more fun than normal Sunday school. There's like crafts and games and like hula hoops and stuff. This is great. So it was really fun. And I started getting to know people there and started making some, fr- some more friends at church outside of my community group too. At one point along the way, Tom and I actually started leading a community group so our community group leaders were, were off to lead a new study on, on a different topic. And so we took part of our group and we signed up a few new people and we started our group. And I remember we sat down the very first time we were all together. We sat down and we asked everyone, what do you want to get out of this group? Like, why are you here? Kind of, right? And the answer around the, around the room was the same. It was unanimous. They said, we want to make friends. We want to make friends. And so we thought, well, what can we do to facilitate this? If we're going to be kind of a community friend group thing, what are we going to do? And so we started offering dinner before small group. Um, You should know, we're not really gourmet cooks or anything. I'm talking like spaghetti and tacos, not together. (laughs) But spaghetti and tacos, that kind of thing. And, and so we started doing kind of some simple dinners before small groups, and we did a couple of fun events. We did some board game nights. We tried mini-golfing. Um, we, we started instituting this cool putter trophy. So there's a, we have a golf putter that anytime you win something, you have to add something to it. So you may have done a trophy like that before. So we have everything from chapstick to like an astronaut USB thing to a funnel to this like giant Santa Claus head that is somehow secured onto the putter. It's very cool. So we, we started bonding. Right? We started becoming friends, and, and, and we have goofy things like a putter trophy, but, but we started to get to know each other. And again, as my community group is like starting to bond, this, this other decision point comes up for me. So our Graceland Elementary coordinator at the time, her name is Janice, and she let me know that she was going on maternity leave. <laughs> again, what is with this? All right, so... Janice asked, would I consider stepping in for three months while she was on maternity leave to, to lead Graceland Elementary? What would I consider doing that? And so I thought about a little while, and three months isn't really that long, right? And so I said, okay, I, I can do that. And so I ran the elementary program for three months, and I loved it. It was so much fun. It was great. It's like, it's like super Graceland. It was awesome. So much fun. And um, ultimately, Janice ended up coming, coming back, and she ended up being our part-time interim children's pastor. It's a very long title, I know. And then I actually came on as part-time elementary coordinator, which was really fun. So this is all happening while I'm working full-time as a consultant, and then I'm serving in this, this part-time Graceland Elementary role. And I, I started to feel torn between two worlds. So on the one hand... I have this really cool job where I'm able to help government agencies with big problems that they need, you know, they need some assistance with, um, helping build tools and help them have a more objective look at things and, and more data-driven. It's very cool. I really liked it. And then on the other hand, I have Graceland, which is so much fun, 
really loving it. It's kind of like Vacation Bible School each and every week. And, and, and I have this community there. I have this supportive community. And, and it is so great. And we're all on the same page, right? We're all helping to provide a safe, clean, loving, fun environment for our kids. We're hoping they learn about Jesus somehow, too, as well, between the games and crafts. And um, eventually, I ended up having a conversation with Pastor John about how things were going, just a, just a regular check-in conversation. And during the course of that conversation, he asked me a very curious question. He said, Ashley, have you ever considered applying for the children's pastor position? So you see that the full-time children's pastor position at our church have been open, and, and they've been looking for someone to fill it for the past three and a half to four years. And so my, my immediate answer to his question when he said, have you ever considered applying for the children's pastor position? My immediate answer was, well, yeah, but I'm not qualified. Well, yeah, but I'm not qualified. In the back of my head, I, I have a chemical engineering degree. I have a master of public policy. I'm a consultant. Children's pastor? Hmm. But it did get my wheels turning inside my head. I thought, okay, that's interesting. So I started having some conversations with Tom about it, um, and I actually brought it up to my community group. So I said, isn't this weird that like, someone would ask me that? And they said, Ashley, you would be a great children's pastor. You love it so much. I was like, okay, really? And they, they, they were very encouraging and very sweet. I, I talked to some other friends about it um, and started having these kind of processing discussions. Um, I did do some prayer and Bible reading too, um, but it was really the conversations with people that, that helped the most. And um, I actually had one friend who who threatened to not be my friend anymore if I didn't apply for the job. <laughs> he said, Ashley, it's your dream job. Why wouldn't you apply for it? Because he knew that I really liked what I was doing quite a bit. And so finally, after much, much discussion, much, much discussion, and, and, and some prayers and things like that too, I, I, decided, I decided to apply. So I did, and, and I went through the process of, of the application process and interviewing and, and all of those sorts of things. And I was offered the job. And I ended up accepting. I got after much conversation. And I started full-time last year on October 4th, 2015, which is exactly 11 months ago, if you're counting. And the thing I have appreciated most about my role as children's pastor here is being able to support and expand our Graceland community. It's not a perfect community. We are not all rainbows and unicorns. Except rainbows for the Noah story, I promise. But we're not all rainbows and unicorns. It's not perfect, but I absolutely love the people that I get to see on Sunday and, and during the week. From our amazing setup team in the morning who comes on, gets everything ready. We have awesome teachers and assistants in the classrooms. We have a great check-in team who greets families. We have a breakdown team that puts everything away so we can still use the school next week. And we have this awesome behind-the-scenes prep team who cuts and copies and makes awesome artistic things for us. I am surrounded by super amazing people, and I am so grateful for the community that I'm part of. My life isn't perfect, though, and the communities I'm a part of aren't perfect. Community group, Graceland, other, uh, other places in my life, you know? But guess what? My life is better because of supportive community. My life is better because I have supportive community in it. It's been a common thread throughout my life. My college experience would have been radically different without the supportive community I found through university. 
It would have been radically different. It would have been a list of organizations that I would have told you about. I wouldn't have told you about all these cool people being in my wedding because I had this special experience with them. I would have told you about other people in my wedding, right? Like it, it, it's a very different experience. And my life today would be really different too without that supportive community. My community group is my favorite night of the week because we're working to build a supportive community. It's taken time. It is not something that has come with snap of the fingers. It has taken time. We have some really great conversations that we talk about some books, we talk about the Bible, we're gonna do the free bird study, we, we talk about work, we talk about life. Sometimes we have less good conversations, but that's okay. We have a lot of fun together. We eat dinner every week. We had fondue night a couple weeks ago, kind of like melting pot style. It was very fun. It's an annual tradition now. We play games, we have barbecues, outings in DC, and we help each other. My community group has been great about, about helping me with Graceland here and there, um, as I've asked. Um, we've talked through different job application decisions for not just me, for others too. Um, we, we've gone and watched a rowing competition because one of our members is, is a rowing coach at a local high school. So we got to watch her kids do that. Um, this week I'm really excited because we're going to help someone with a conference presentation, actually, which is very exciting to me. And then two weeks ago, I fell down some stairs and sprained my ankle pretty badly. And two of my community group members actually brought me dinner, which was really sweet of them. So this all brings us back to that, verse, that set of verses I read earlier. It's, it's Matthew 5, 14 through 16. It says, again, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do you notice how the verse, the verses there, they say that the light gives light to everyone in the house? That the light is shining before others? This isn't a just shine light at the top of a lighthouse and, and be alone. This is like, you're supposed to be with people. There's a community aspect of, of that, that we're, that we're to be with others. And in 1 John, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. I know fellowship can be a little bit churchy. It really just means that you're a group like hanging out with each other because you share a common interest, right? But we all have struggles, and, and we all have issues, and there's darkness around us, too. But this verse, it says that light is working together and being part of a community, of a supportive community. The early church um, did a good job providing supportive community to each other as well. So if you read in Acts 2, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So I'm not suggesting that you just go out and find people who have everything in common with you. It seems pretty unusual. And I'm not suggesting you just sell all your property either. We can talk about that on a different day. But the point is that supportive community was really important to the early church, and it remains important to us today. I've told you, supportive community means to me that we're doing something together, you're having fun together, you're helping each other. 
And community, it increases your probability of finding friends. Friends are an, are an output of community. It doesn't guarantee it, but it increases your probability. And friends has been well documented uh, by such institutions as the Mayo Clinic, very well-respected health institution. The Mayo Clinic has said, you know, we want to we want to tell you about friends, and so they have a whole page on their website devoted to how to be happy. The top of that list is devoting time to friend, friends and family. That is the first thing on their list, and then you can actually go to another page to learn about the importance of friendships on your health. It says it increases your sense of belonging and purpose, boosts your happiness, reduces stress, improves your self-confidence, your self-worth, helps you cope with traumas. It's pretty cool. You can Google a lot more things about why friend friendships are beneficial. But in order for any of this to work, in order for supportive community to happen at all, you have to do one thing. You have to do one thing. You have to try it. You absolutely have to try it. It doesn't work unless you give it a try. It's kind of like finding a really good restaurant, actually. So if you think about if you've ever looked for a good restaurant, there are quite a few in D.C. You may have looked on an app like Yelp, or you may have looked on the Internet or talked to a friend, um, and you've done some research about the restaurant and maybe their menu and tried to kind of feel out, like, would that be a good restaurant? Oh, yeah, it sounds like a pretty good restaurant. But you'll never experience the restaurant until you do what? Until you go to the restaurant, right? But then if you go to the restaurant and you sit at a table and you never order any of the food, you only get part of the experience. So you actually have to order dishes, right, from the kitchen and, and, try, and try the food to see, to see how it goes. And you might have to order more than one dish to really find that good one, that one that you're going to refer to people and say, that restaurant has that really, really good food that you have to try, right? And it, it might take a few times. Community groups are really similar. We can talk about supportive community and how great it is and how awesome it is that the early church had this and, and that it sounds like some people here might have it and, and there's these great groups. But if you don't go to the group, if you don't try the group, you'll never get that experience. You have to work to become a part of a community. Community doesn't come to you. You have to try it. You have to go to the restaurant. You have to go to the group. And if you go to the group and you, and you just hang out, that's not the same as trying the food, right? You have to really lean in. You have to get a whirl. It might take a few things, right? It might take some bad spaghetti dinners or bad tacos. Who knows? But you have to, you have to give it a try. Now, I'm also not saying that you should just go out in the lobby and just meet everybody and you'll have instant community. That's not quite how it works. But if you're not in a community group, I challenge you to consider joining one today. The whole idea is to learn about Jesus and it's to get to know people. Our church is about three things. Our church is about Christ, community, and compassion. And being part of a group, it will help you with all three of those. Now, if you're already in a group, you're already in a community group, I challenge you, will you think about the group that you're in? Will you think about how you can build more supportive community there? You're doing something together, but are you having fun together, and are you helping and supporting each other? Will you lean into that? Will you consider, have, have you tried all those different meals at the restaurant? Have you tried different ways to create supportive community? Don't leave here today with Facebook friends being your only community.
come join a real-life community, a real-life group where, where you can really lean in and do those three things, the doing something together, having fun, and helping and supporting each other. It is so worth it. It's made a difference to me, and, and I think it will for you too. It is, it is so worth it. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the impact that friends and supportive community have had on my life. I pray that you will help us be the light that you talk about in Matthew. Help us be the light for you and give us the courage to join others in a supportive community. In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.